Word. Go with me to Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And we're going to talk tonight about the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. I believe in all my heart we're living in the last days. Uh, we're living in the last of the last days. Let me put it that way. That nothing else has to happen, I believe, for Jesus Christ to come back. But here's what I know. When Jesus Christ comes back, we as believers are going to have to stand before Him in judgment. We're going to face Him one day and give an account for how we've lived our lives. And so look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And here's what he says. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Read it one more time. It says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The moment a person believes in Jesus Christ, God saves that individual. It's by grace through faith that we obtain a relationship with God. We know that no one deserves to be saved and no one can ever do anything to merit their salvation or earn their salvation. Salvation is altogether of grace. It's given freely and fully because of Jesus Christ and our faith in Him. And since salvation is altogether of grace, when Jesus comes again, every Christian, every man, woman, boy, and girl that is trusted in Christ will be taken from this world and live with Him forever. We believe in the rapture. Now there's debate on whether or not it's pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. That's not what I'm here to discuss tonight. But people who believe in Jesus will one day leave this world and be with Him forever. But the fact remains when you look at the body of Christ, when you look at the church as a whole, when you look at people who profess to be Christians, you see different kinds of Christians. Let's just be honest and get down to where the rubber meets the road. You've got the faithful and the unfaithful. You've got the obedient and the not so obedient. You've got the spiritual and as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3, you've got the carnal. Still saved, but yet at times living like the world. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Saved, but still living like a fleshly person. And if we'll just be honest, there's times we're like that. On our way to heaven, but at times still carnal. You've got the diligent believer. But you also have those that are careless. You have those who walk in wisdom and they walk circumspectly as the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5. We ought to do, redeem the time because the days are evil. But then you have those who live as though it doesn't matter whatsoever. They're not looking for His return and they think that, hey, we're here to stay. He's talked about coming, but He hadn't come yet. And so they kind of lose sight of His return. And so a lot of people begin to think, well, what does it matter then as to the kind of Christian you are? Because if Jesus is coming back, we're all going to be taken anyway. Well, the fact is, yeah, we're all going to be taken. If you believed in Jesus, we're all going up when He comes. But it does matter how you live as a Christian. It matters a great deal how you live as a Christian. That's why Paul tells us that we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and will either be rewarded or will suffer loss based on how we live our Christian life. You see, for us as believers, there's coming a great examination day and we have to live and work and keep our eyes on the fact that one day Jesus is coming back, we're going to stand before Him and if we want to be fully rewarded, it's going to be based on how we live our lives for Him. It makes a tremendous difference what kind of Christian you are. Amen? I want you to understand that as a believer, you'll never be judged for your sin. 
Because your sin was taken care of on the cross when Jesus died and took the punishment for your sin. John says it this way, John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. If you have believed, you have everlasting life, you'll not come unto condemnation, meaning judgment. In fact, Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. You've come out of darkness into light. You've come from death to life. Our sins have been taken care of. We won't be judged for sin. However, we will be judged concerning our life, our witness, and our service. We're going to be judged for what kind of Christian we are. Hear me well. We're going to face Jesus in judgment And since how well that goes depends entirely on how we behave here, it would do us some eternal good to take a few moments and talk about the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to understand what it is, what will happen there, and how you can prepare yourself for that day when you will meet Jesus face to face. Listen, we're going to meet Him face to face. And we're going to give an account of our lives. So the first thing I want you to notice this evening is who will participate. Who's going to participate in the judgment seat of Christ? Let me say that first of all, what Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians 5.15, this is judgment for believers only. When he says that we'll appear before the judgment of Christ, he's referring to people who have believed in Jesus. There is no lost people here. There are no unbelievers here. Notice that Paul included himself in this judgment. We must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul say, I'm going to stand before Christ and give an account of my life. You see, unbelievers, they'll face God as is what is known as the great white throne judgment. We read about that in Revelation chapter 20. This takes place after the thousand year millennia where Satan is finally cast into the lake of fire and then the dead are raised and they stand before God and God judges them and their names are not found in the Lamb's book of life and they are cast into the lake of fire. Let's read about it. Revelation 20 verse 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne. And let me just pause and say, notice it's a white throne. That speaks of purity. It speaks of holiness. Because the one sitting on it is holy and he is righteous. And it says, Him that sat on it from whose face, notice this, the earth and the heaven fled away. So here's the thing. This judgment isn't going to take place in heaven. It's not going to take place on earth because heaven and earth fled away. Somewhere between heaven and earth this judgment's going to take place. And there was no, found no place for them. And it said, I saw the dead small and great. This, this word here, small and great, this little phrase, I believe it appears about four or five times in the book of Revelation. And it refers to all classes of people. That no matter who they are in this life, small and great, they'll stand before God. Those who are rich and powerful will stand before God. Those who are poor and seemingly insignificant will stand before God. And the books were open. Notice that plural, books. Sounds like to me God's keeping record. And another book, a different book than the other books mentioned, another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, notice it, according to their works. Listen, they've already rejected Jesus. They've died during the time of tribulation. And now God brings them up for judgment. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And notice this, Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I believe that as followers of Christ, we will not stand here at this judgment. But these are for people who have rejected Jesus and denied Him and would not surrender their lives to Him. That they're going to come up before God 
And there's nowhere to hide, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to escape. They'll stand before God. And He'll open up the books and He'll open up the book of life and say, hey, your name is not in here. And I know some people might want to present their case on that day and they might want to say, hey, give me that book, but here's the thing. If God gives them that book, they can search all they want to, but if they have not trusted in Jesus, their name will not be in that book. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire. And it's the second death. That's an everlasting death. That's an eternal death. That is separation from God forever. Listen, you do not want to be at this judgment. But as we go back to what Paul talks about, the judgment seat of Christ, what is he referring to? Well, let me give you some things about that judgment. First of all, it will be a universal judgment. He says that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every believer, whether great or small, will appear before the throne of Christ and give an account of the deeds done in this body. Some people think that just the missionaries and the evangelists and the Christian preachers are going to be the ones who stand before God. But Paul says all believers will appear and give an account before God. Every person who names the name of Christ, every person who has believed and trusted in Him will stand before the throne of God and give an account of their life. Paul says in Romans 14, 12, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now notice those words. You're going to give an account of yourself to God. Now let me just say this very plainly, and I want you to hear me well. You're going to give an account of your life, not somebody else's life. Listen, we're to witnesses, be witnesses and be good stewards and try to preach the gospel and win people to Christ. But at the end of the day, I'm going to give an account for my life and not anybody else's. Sometimes it's all I can do to keep myself straight without meddling in everybody else's business. Just say, oh me, if you can't say amen. We want to fix people. But the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I've got to stand before God. You have to stand before God. I'll give an account for myself. You'll give an account for yourself. But yet we like to pass judgment on people down here. Because they don't do what we do. They don't have the same convictions we have. Well listen, you're not the one judging me. I'm not the one judging you. I'll stand before Him. Right? In fact, that's why the Bible says that when you judge, you better be careful with what judgment you give because it's going to be measured back to you. A universal judgment. Secondly, it's going to be unavoidable. Notice that Paul says, we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You see, a lot of Christians live their lives thinking that they'll never have to answer for what they do. But the fact is, every child of God is going to appear at this judgment seat. You're not going to run away from it. You're not going to hide from it. You will stand before God and give an account for the deeds done in your body, whether good or bad. When your name is called, you'll be front and center, and you'll have your appointment with God. You can't get out of it. You can't get away from this judgment. You will be there. Listen, whether you go by the grave or go in the rapture, you will be a part of this judgment. And when we stand before God, it's going to be revealed whether we live for God's glory or to please ourselves. It's going to be revealed how we, we're going to be revealed how we used our time. It's going to be revealed how we used our money, our possessions, and our property. It's going to be revealed whether or not you were concerned about the lost and sought to reach them. It's going to be revealed whether or not you were faithful in prayer. It's going to be revealed all the words that you ever spoke. That's why Jesus said, be careful about every, for every outer word you speak, you'll be judged. And your words will acquit you or condemn you. It's going to be revealed 
concerning our attitude towards our brothers and sisters. We're going to give an account of our work, what we've done for Jesus in this life. And let me just say this before I move on. I don't know how you feel about what I've said so far, but it scares me a little bit. I'm not going there to be judged for my sin. This is not a heaven or hell issue, but this is just what I've done with my life. And it just scares me a little bit. Because I don't always get it right. I've missed opportunities. If we'll all be honest, we don't fully obey this book the way we ought to. And that ought to put the fear of God in us. That one day we're going to have to stand before Him and He's going to say, hey, this is what my Word says. And you didn't do it. We get so caught up in living in this world that we forget that one day we're going to have to stand before Him and give an account. And so we try to earn money, build homes, drive cars, and do all these things, make memories of family, but at the end of the day, all of that doesn't matter when we stand before God. The only thing that's going to matter is what we do for Jesus. And listen, I love my family, I want to make memories for my family, but here's the thing, if I don't try to point them to Jesus and see their soul saved, what good have I done in this world? Because the only thing that's going to last is what you do for God. And when you stand before Him, all that you've been building your life on is going to be revealed. The third thing is going to be undeniable. You can't present your case at this judgment seat. You can't offer defense at this judgment seat. Listen, it's too late to try to get things right then. You you can't talk to God and say, God, this is why I didn't do more. This is why I missed that opportunity. It's too late to be faithful then. The only thing we can do is change what we do now. You see, instead of laying up treasures on the earth, we've got to start laying up some treasures in heaven. Every deed's going to be exposed and accounted for in front of God. In fact, I don't even—I don't—I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say, but every saint of God might be standing there when all of this is revealed. How do you want that? I don't really want that, but I don't know how it's going to take place other than I'm going to meet Him one day. Hear me, God in heaven keeps good records. The recorder is playing. His stenographer is writing down everything. Listen, God's got good records. He sees it all. He hears it all. He knows it all. Hebrews 4.13 There is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Proverbs 15.3 The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Here's, here's something else. For many, it's going to be unthinkable. Those things that were done in secret. Those things that you tried to keep concealed and hidden away that nobody else knows about. It's all going to be exposed. Again, this is not a salvation issue, but here, here's the thing. Those things we struggle with sometimes and don't want to get prayer for and things that we try to keep from everybody else and cover up so nobody else knows. You won't cover it up then. Because what's in the dark, it will be exposed in the light. Nothing will be hidden from His judgment on that day. Everything we've done, Paul says, good or bad, will be brought to light. And again, that ought to put the fear of God in us. But here's the second thing I want to talk about tonight. What is the purpose of this judgment? What is the purpose? The issues that will not be addressed here at this judgment is salvation. 
That was taken care of the moment we believed in Jesus. We were saved. Our sin was taken care of. We were justified, declared righteous, declared innocent. So salvation is not the issue. Sin is not the issue. Sin was taken care at the cross. It was taken care at Calvary. When Jesus died, He died for the sin of the world. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. So it's not a salvation issue. It's not a sin issue. When you stand before this judgment, it's for those who are already saved. So what is the purpose of it? Let me give you some things. Number one, there will be rewards. There will be rewards. The New Testament speaks of crowns that will be given to those who earn them. Let me give you five crowns that the Bible talks about that we can receive, that we can earn. Number one, the incorruptible crown. This is a wonderful faithfulness to the Lord and living a disciplined life. That's the incorruptible crown. Number two, you have the crown of life. According to Revelation chapter 2 verse 10, this is the martyr's crown. You also sit in James chapter 1 verse 12 where it's given to those who endure and overcome temptation. Number three, you have the crown of rejoicing. This is the soul winner's crown given to people who win people to Jesus Christ based on 1 Thessalonians 2.19. It's called the crown of rejoicing because it produces rejoicing in heaven when someone gets saved. Think about that. That when you lead somebody to Christ and they accept Him as their Savior and Lord, you're doing something that one day you'll have a crown waiting on you in heaven. Number four, you've got the crown of righteousness. This is given to those who anticipate and love the Lord's Appearing, 2 Timothy 4.8. Let me just ask you this evening. Are you looking forward to His appearing? We should be. In fact, the Bible tells us we should be hastening the day of His return. John the Revelator in the book of Revelation at the very end, when Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. John said, Even so come, Lord Jesus. Is that your prayer? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Well, Pastor, I've got people that are lost in my family. I want them to know Jesus. But here's, listen, witness to them. Pray for them. But here, the, the longing of our heart, the desire of our heart ought to be, even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go. I don't know how much more I can take of turning on the news and seeing people getting shot and killed and all this stuff going on. I'm ready to go. Sounds like you're unconcerned, preacher. I'm not unconcerned, but here's the thing. This world's not my home. I'm not meant to stay here. If you're a child of God, you're not meant to stay here. Number five, you have the crown of glory. This is given to those who pastor or shepherd the people in the Word of God. This is given to faithful ministers who feed the flock and watch out over the people that God has entrusted them based on 1 Peter 5.4. These are crowns that we can receive. Rewards that God has for His people. You see, every deed done in the name of Jesus will be blessed and rewarded over there. You see, down here people may not value your service and they may not take notice of the things that you do, but Jesus takes notice of everything that you do. And on that day, you'll be rewarded accordingly. Listen to Mark 9, 41. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Just a cup of water. Matthew 25, 34-40. Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And notice this. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? 
Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came to thee? And the king shall answer and say to them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it to the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. That when you minister to people, it's as though you're ministering to Christ Himself. And you're going to be rewarded for that. Everything we do for Him, for His glory, for His name, it will be rewarded. Revelation 22.12 Jesus says this, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Matthew 16.27 For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. Let me just ask you, what are you doing with what God has given you? I don't want to be like the guy with one talent who goes and buries it in the sand. Jesus called him a wicked, lazy servant. I want to be faithful with the talents, the abilities, the skills. A steward must be found faithful. You see, everything you do for God, your work, your labor, it's not in vain. We're not wasting our time when we serve Him by serving other people. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do you see what he says? Always be abounding in the work of the Lord, because it's not in vain. Why is it that we think as we get older, especially in our Christian walk, and as we get older in age, that somehow we're supposed to retire? Listen, retirement for the Christian is when you get to heaven. There is no retirement while you're on this earth. Listen, if you're not dead, God's not done with you. But yet there's a lot of people as they get older in Christ, they think, well, well, I've done my part, I've done my work, I'll just sit down and let somebody else do it. No, if you're still breathing, God still has a plan, God still has a work, and God's going to reward you for it. I know sometimes physical handicaps and physical limitations can keep us from doing things we once did, but listen, if you're not in the grave yet or Jesus had come in the rapture, we've still got work to do. Amen? So there's going to be rewards. But secondly, there's going to be rebukes. You see, all the motives and attitudes and activities are going to pass under the microscope of God's judgment and be brought to light. Let me just say this, not only what you do, but why you do it. All of this is going to be examined when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We've got to be careful how we build it. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. That's some chilling scripture right there. God's going to test our work. And it says plainly that you can suffer loss, but you'll be saved. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Now you've got to determine how you're going to build on that foundation. See, there's going to be a lot of people who stand before Jesus on this day thinking they're going to get some great rewards but instead they're going to get a great rebuke. They're going to witness everything as it perishes before their eyes. It's all going to go up in smoke. It's not going to affect their salvation, but it's going to affect the rewards they get. You see, this judgment that we're talking about tonight, it's going to be a time of regret for some believers. They're going to lose their reward their entire life is just going to kind of poof and go up in smoke. 
Because I never really did anything for Jesus. What are you living for? What am I living for? What am I building? How am I building? Am I building something that's going to last? When I stand before Him and He tries it and tests it by fire, is it just going to go up in smoke, Brother Dennis? Look at verse 15 again. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. There's going to be no doubt many believers going into eternity smelling as if they were purchased at a fire sale. Here's what Adrian Rogers said about this. You'll be saved but sinned. You'll get into heaven with your coattails smoking. Listen, is that how you won't be able to heaven? Just barely getting in? I want to hear well done, good and faithful. But it all comes down, what do you have to show for your life? Is it my homes? Is it my money? What do I have to show? If it's not for Him and His glory, then it's all going up in smoke. Oh, I'll get into heaven, but what am I going to have when I get there? Because let me just say it this way. Your works don't save you, but your works will follow you to heaven. I'm going to say that again. Your works don't save you, but they will follow you to heaven. I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of believers that don't have much following them to heaven. They have no treasure stored up waiting on them. Lot's a great example of a believer who allowed loose living to take everything he possessed. He was saved from wrath, but he lost everything. He got in, yet so as by fire. Samson, he lost everything. He didn't have a whole lot to show for his life. That's not how I want to live my life. Number three, there will be reaping. Paul says this in the book of Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. These verses are going to be fully realized in the life of every believer on that day when they stand before Jesus. Things that we think are hidden, things that we think are covered up, God knows all about them. He's going to drag all those secrets out into the open. And you're going to reap what you've sown. I'll reap what I've sown. Because God's not mocked. You've got many Christians that have wronged others and never made it right. You have to deal with it that day. Taking things and never made restitution. Lied and never set the record straight. Been cunning and conniving and deceiving. You'll face it that day. Gossip. You'll face it that day. Ain't no getting away from it. People that struggle sexually with pornography, they'll face it that day. Again, I'm not talking about heaven-hell issue, salvation, but struggle. And let me just say this, there's going to be people that make it to heaven that struggle with sin. Because if you'll be honest, you struggle sometimes. But all this stuff that sometimes gets hid and nobody else knows about where we pull the wool over people's eyes. Because often we portray our best self when people see us. But when we stand here on this day, all the ugliness is going to be seen. Thank God for Jesus. But everything good and bad 
We'll give an account of it. When you were harsh with your spouse and with your kids, everything. We'll give an account. The jealousy and envy you have towards other people in your heart, all don't be dealt with. God's going to bring it to life. And I don't want to preach that this is going to be a, a, a gloomy situation because when it's all said and done, we're going, to, we're going to be with Him forever. But He's going to deal with our lives. And I don't know exactly how He's going to do it. I don't know if He's got some big screen projector up there where He's going to show us everything or He's just going to begin to run out the list. But we'll give an account. Good and bad. Number four, there will be revelation. He says we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That word appear means to reveal. When we arrive at this place, all pretense will be taken away. We'll be finally seen for what we really are. I've mentioned this, but let me say it again. Down here, we can pull the wool over people's eyes. We can give a, a false impression of what we really are sometimes. As I said, we want to give the best foot forward and the best impression of who we are. We come on Sunday morning with our Sunday clothes on, our Sunday best on, but God knows the real you. And at this judgment seat, the real you is going to be standing there all the false pretenses are going to be stripped away. And there'll be no conning anybody. There'll be no trying to con anybody out of anything. It'll all be laid bare. And you'll be seen for who you really are. When we stand before God in judgment, you won't any, any longer but to put on a good show. Can't stay there and fool him. Let me just say this you're not fooling him now. I'm not fooling him now. My time's getting away from me, but let me just say this. People, and I know some people might get upset while the preacher talks about grace so much and talks about Jesus so much. Because here's the thing without grace and without Jesus, we'd all be in a mess. Let me just say this. If it's going to be like this for us to stand before Him in judgment, imagine what it's going to be like for people who don't know Him to face Him in judgment. If He's going to lay our lives open and us have to give an account for what we do for Him, whether good or bad. Imagine for all those people He's going to look at there in Revelation and He says to them, depart from me. Because here's the thing. You're going to face one of these judgments. I'd rather face Him where He's being gracious. and Yes, He's exposing my life, my good, my bad. But yet He still says in Rehim, then for Him to say, hey, your name's not here. Part. This verse, 2 Corinthians 5.10, it can be translated this way. We must all be manifested without disguise or in our true characters. The life we live down here and the way we serve is one of two kinds. Either it's going to stand the test of fire or it will not. It'll burn up. This judgment where we stand before Christ is going to be a reward for some and a time of regret for some others. Sadly, there's going to be some believers, they're going to be ashamed at His coming. They're going to suffer loss. i got Bible. 1 John 2.28 And now little children abide in Him. Notice this. That when He shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. There's going to be some who are ashamed when He appears. Because they squandered their life and didn't do what He had called them to do. Missed opportunities. And never lived out their potential that He had for them. And be ashamed.
and suffer long. I don't want that. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. And so we've got to learn how to live lives where we won't be ashamed that it's coming. And that leads me to my third and final thing. How can a person prepare? How can you prepare? First and foremost, a person wants to be sure that they're going to appear here. You see, as bad as this judgment may be, it will be nothing compared to standing before Jesus and hearing Him send you to hell. Right? I'd rather face Him here than face Him there in the book of Revelation. And so you need to be sure that you're saved. You need to know that you know without a doubt that you've trusted in Jesus Christ, that your sins have been forgiven and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You need to know that you're on your way to heaven. Hear me, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that you're saved. I can't tell you that your sins have been forgiven. I can tell you what the Bible says. That if you believe with your heart and confess Him as Lord, the Bible says you're saved. But only you and the Spirit of God inside of you can give you that assurance and that confidence that you know you belong to Him. And while I'm on this subject, let me just say this. Make sure you're trusting in Him and not in yourself. That you're trusting Him and not your traditions. Trusting Him and not your convictions. Trusting Him and not how good you are and how well you live. Trusting Jesus. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? We trust in Jesus. He changes us and our behaviors, our attitudes, how we live, what we do. But I don't trust in that. I trust in Him. Because I'll never meet the standard on my own. And neither will you. Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. Man Christ Jesus. Jesus is the one that brought the two together. We can never reach up to God so He had to reach down to us. So you need to make sure that you're saved. And once you get that settled, once you know you're born again, once you know that you're on your way to heaven, your greatest way to prepare is to practice self-judgment. You need to examine your life on a regular basis. You need to look within and say, Holy Spirit, show me anything that I need to deal with. Here's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now listen, I'm not talking about judging your brother or your sister. It's none of your business what brother or sister so-and-so does. Your primary concern is to look at your own life, your own heart, and see how they measure up against the revealed will of God. You see, the problem we fall into so many times is we want to compare ourselves with other people. And Paul tells us that's not good. Because you can always find somebody that you're doing a little bit better than. Can't we? And isn't that usually what we do? I'd never be like so-and-so. Look at what they do. I don't do that. That's not good. Because they're not the standard. Jesus is the standard. This is the standard. And if you want to see how your life lines up, look at Jesus and look at this. And then let's see how close we come. Take your life and line it up under the scrutiny of God's Word and then see how many check boxes you can mark off. And this just came to my mind. I want to say it because here's the thing. We, we think we're good because we're not out there and we're not out there doing this. We're not lying and cheating and stealing and drinking and doing drugs and running around with those that do. Therefore, him that knows the good he ought to do and does not do it, it is sin. Whatever that is not done in faith is sin. It invades every area of our life. We 
We can't check off as many boxes as we think we can. Amen? We need a perfect Savior. Because we can't. Several areas, and i got to close, where we need to practice self-judgment. Number one, in our motives. You need to examine yourself and judge yourself when it comes to your motives. Because here's the thing, it's not so much always what you do, it's why you do it. You can do the right thing for the wrong reason, and you're going to have to face God for it. The Bible tells us there's only one valid motive for doing what we do in life. The glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do, everything we say should be for the glory of God. And if it can't be done for the glory of God, it's going to burn up in judgment. Number two, we need to practice self-judgment in our methods. How do we do the thing that we do? The Bible teaches that we're to be like light shining forth in the darkness. We're the light of the world. We're to let our light shine so that people can see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And so here's the thing. If they can't see Christ in what we're doing, it's going to go up in smoke. If we're doing it for selfish reasons and they can't see Jesus, it's going to burn up. We should look at everything we do and ask ourselves a couple questions. Number one, is this pleasing to the Lord? Number two, what kind of message is this sending out? And number three, when I say that or go there or wear this, what statement am I making about Jesus Christ and His church? Number three, we need to practice self-judgment in our manner of life. Every activity has to be laid alongside the Word of God. This book that I hold in my hand, Brother Lynn, Genesis to Revelation, 66 books, one book. It's like a plumb line. And if we're out of line with this book, we're going to have loss when we stand in judgment. But if we're in line with it, we can expect to be rewarded when we get there. I ask you tonight, how does your life stand up under the scrutiny of the Word of God? It all boils down to this, and we're coming to a close. We're called to live the best life for God's glory that we're human, that are humanly possible. Listen, in our own strength, and our own effort, we can't do this. We need the help of God. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm not telling you to leave here in your, in your own willpower. Go try to be a better Christian. Because you can't be a better Christian on your own. You need the Spirit of God helping you. That means every day we've got to learn how to surrender and yield and say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. And any, any day that you get up and you don't let the Holy Spirit have His way in your life, that's when you're going to go crazy. That's when you're going to do something foolish. That's when you're going to do something stupid. That's when you're going to walk in the flesh. But if we'll let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us and we'll surrender to Him, we don't have to have fear about meeting our works and meeting our Savior in judgment. If we're living for Him as He wants us to live for Him and allowing the Holy Spirit to have His way in our lives, we'll be rewarded and not rebuked. In closing, when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, it will be too late then to wish you'd been more faithful, more zealous, more careful in your work of witness. To say it again, when you stand before Him at the judgment seat, it will be too late then to wish you could have done more. It will be too late then to wish you could have been more passionate. It will be too late then to wish you could have read your Bible more, prayed more, and witnessed more. It's too late then. So if you were to face Jesus today in judgment, He called you home today. 
You had to stand before Him in judgment. What would the outcome be? Would you see all your works and deeds go up in smoke? Would you hear Him have to rebuke the way you live? Or would you hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. What are you expecting when you get over there? If it isn't what you want it to be, now's the time to make the changes. If you're not doing all you can be doing or should be doing, if you're not doing everything that God's laid on your heart to do, now's the time to make the changes. Because there's no changing then. Will you do what you need to do this evening? Maybe repent and say, God, forgive me for not doing everything You've asked me to do. And from this moment forward, I want to surrender my life completely to You so that I can be the vessel You want me to be. We will stand before Him. And I pray that it changes how we look at life. I pray it changes how we live our lives. Starting right here with me, I pray it changes how we live. How I live. Things that we invest in, that doesn't make it a difference in eternity. Watch it. What I do for Him... It will last for eternity. When we tell somebody about Jesus and they say yes to Him, the moment they do that right here on this earth, they say yes to Him, the angels begin to rejoice in heaven. Guess what? For all eternity, they get to rejoice as well. Because you shared the gospel. Stand with me.